Hey, welcome to the Rungi FBC Sermon Podcast. I'm really excited to see that you're seeking the Lord with your time and pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Before you listen, however, I just want to issue out a disclaimer. If at any point during this message you feel like you need to work for God's approval and salvation, stop and instead remember that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Always keep that in mind and you will be ready to receive from the Lord. Today we're going to take a little break from our study in Hebrews and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 through chapter 4, verse 5. So if you have a Bible, turn there. This message is entitled, The Heart of Me. Have you been working on your self-image? Our self-image is the me that we want everyone to see. And whether we like it or not, how we are seen by others is very important to us. Even if we say it isn't, it is. A few years ago, Time Magazine published an article entitled 10 Simple Ways to Make People Like You More. And in this article, the author explains that there are simple things that everybody can do to manipulate people around us to like us more. You know, because everybody likes it when they're being manipulated. I mean, I, I, I just couldn't believe this guy's choice of wording here. Well, here's the really ugly part. As I scrolled over that list, I discovered that there were things that I was doing to manipulate others and how they see me, whether they like me or not. And did I mention I'm a master manipulator? A master manipulator is someone who isn't recognized as a manipulator when they manipulate. And I'm so good, I even fooled myself. I didn't even realize that I was doing things on that list, and, and let's just be honest, I was doing most of those things on that list uh, just, just because I want to be liked by people around me. How we are seen by others can be of critical importance to us, and this is why. We want to be needed and loved. And if people perceive us negatively, they won't want us around. Now, this can cause us to carefully consider the image that, that other people see. Like we have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful what we do because we want to be well-liked. And this is a compelling reason why social media is so popular. I mean, don't get me wrong. Social media can be an incredible tool. But most of the time, don't we use social media as a mean to, means to present ourselves to a world in a prideful, unhealthy way? I mean, isn't Facebook so incredibly appealing because we get to decide the face we want everyone to see? Did you know that nearly 2.7 billion people on Earth have Facebook accounts? There's only like 7.6 billion people on Earth, and that means that over one-third of the Earth's population has a Facebook account. It's successful. It's popular. Why? Because much of the time we use social media as a means to put ourselves out there, present ourselves, and work on our public face. The us that we want everybody to see. We don't want them to see what's going on in person. We like social media because this is the me that I am. Everything we may or may not post on social media is directly linked to how the world judges us. The world judges us based on outward appearance. And in short, we want to increase our value to the world. And so we post things or we put ourselves out there in such a way. And maybe you don't use social media, but we still do this. We put ourselves out there in such a way we compliment ourselves or we, we, we boast about ourselves so that people will think that we are valuable. And if they think that we're valuable, well, then they might just want us around. 
I believe the Lord is showing me how much of what I really do is directly linked to how I want to be valued in the world's eyes. Now, I don't personally believe that I'm the type of person who has to have a compliment. Actually, I feel like I'm a different extreme. I run from compliments because they scare me. They scare me because I don't want to be seen by the world as that guy. You know, I don't want to be seen as an arrogant, ugly narcissist who's always bragging on himself and, oh, yeah, keep going with those compliments. I know I'm great. But see, even though I don't live for compliments, I'm still wrapped up in my own self-image. And I guess I'm discovering how much of what I do is slavery to that self-image. Even as a follower of Christ, I have been a slave to my own self-image. And if you can relate, then today's message is for you as much as it is as it is for me. Because in today's passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul says, you could be free from all of that. You don't have to be so driven by your own self-image that you don't know how to properly handle a compliment. I mean, you could be so free from your own self-image that you can accomplish something great and be able to say, wow, you know, that was well done. And acknowledging your accomplishment doesn't have to be done in a way that puffs you up. You can be so free from your own self-image that even when you do something well, you can be just as happy as if anyone might have done it. By the way, that is C.S. Lewis's definition of genuine humility. He says humility isn't tearing yourself down all the time. True humility is, uh, is when an architect constructs a beautiful building and walks in and is just as happy as if someone else did it. You know, our, our, our self-image, it gets in the way. And so i got to ask you one more time. Have you been working hard to promote your self-image? Even if we say, you know, I don't care how people look at me. Why do we feel like we need to tell everyone that? Why is it so important to us that everybody knows that we don't care how they look at us? We want to have value. And the Apostle Paul tells us in today's text that we can have it. You see, in the world we live in, one way we try to obtain value is to let others know who we know. Oh, well, you know, my dad met Chuck Norris's brother's roommate. I mean, didn't you know that about me? Sometimes we try to promote our self-image by attaching ourselves, or even detaching ourselves, from people they might know. Oh, no, no, I'm not a part of that crew. Nope, nope. <laughs> I once had a, a, a girl, I, I should say a woman, who's just really a girl. Uh, in, in my, when I was a teenager, she asked me, um, you know, what's your name? And I was like, oh, well, I'm John. She's like, yeah, what's your last name? I was like, Waller. And she's like, Waller? Ugh. Like, because she knew a lot of Wallers in town. I'm like, oh, I'm not a part of that crew, Okay. All right, I understand what you're saying there. and No, you know, truth is that I am a part of that group. <laughs> anyway, we want to attach ourselves or detach ourselves to people that the world looks up to. And in a way of, of doing that, we get to promote our own self-image. And thanks to Scripture, we can see that things really haven't changed in over 2,000 years. And to give some context for today's text, the Apostle Paul was writing a bunch of people who were consistently pitting pastors against each other. Like, well, you know, wait a minute, I'm a follower of Paul. Do you know that about me? And other people were saying, well, okay, well, I'm a follower of Apollos. Oh, yeah, well, I'm a follower of Cephas. Oh, is that so? Well, as it turns out, I'm a follower of Christ himself. So there. See, the Apostle Paul writes and let them know that this promotion of self through who you know in the world 
That's not of God. That's not what the church should be doing. He tells them that God has something much better for them. And we don't have to name drop to feel important. And keep in mind that although this is only one way we promote ourselves in the world, there is a solution to being free from being a slave to our own self-image. And let's read about how. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 21, and I'm going to go through chapter 4, verse 5. Um, so this is what uh, that passage of Scripture says. It says, So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards in the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one might be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I might be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring light to the hidden things in the darkness and disclose, and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would use this passage of Scripture to really break down the reasons that we do things. Help us to have some self-reflection here, God, and not so that we become narcissists that are only focused on ourselves and that we're most important, but God, help us to see that there are things that motivate and drive our behavior, and they just lead us away from really trying, really finding value. Father, show us where that value comes from, and help us, Father, to really see how we can do that, how we can pour ourselves into what truly brings us value. Father, we love you and just ask you, work through this passage of Scripture, guide and direct us, God. We're to be careful to give you the praise and all these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, I just want to ask you to, to notice that Paul is getting to the root of the issue. He says, let us not boast in, in men. He says, well, what does it matter who you know, whether it's Paul or Apollos or Cephas? We know this is the way the world works, don't we? If you want to get anywhere in life, you got to know people. And the problem that Paul is saying is that is not the way the church works. He just finished telling them that worldly wisdom is foolishness before God, that God doesn't measure the value of a man by how much worldly wisdom he has, nor does he judge your value by who you know. He says it doesn't matter how you live or how you die or how much stuff you're able to acquire while you walk this earth. Then he drops something really heavy on him. He tells them, for everything already belongs to you. Remember how Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meat, for they will inherit the earth? I think what he's saying is this. He says, look, if you want to brag about all you have, listen, you have everything in the world to brag about because everything belongs to you. If a man is measured by all the stuff that belongs to him, Christ has given you everything. And if Christ has given us everything, why are we working so hard to preserve what we have or even get value by trying to get the things that we want in the future? Our problem is that 
all of our identity, all of our value, everything we hold dear needs to come from Jesus. And this is the only way to true humility. In the church, we have all been given everything in Christ. Think about how simple this concept is. What is the greatest thing that we could boast about? Is it about all the people that we know in the world? Should we boast about all the things that we have in the world? Or should we boast about knowing the one who created the world and everything in it? I mean, what is greater there? The greatest thing is to boast about knowing the one who created the world and everything in it. Not, hey, I know somebody in the world, or hey, I have all this stuff in the world. No, I know the one who created the world and everything in it. And Paul is saying that every single one of us gets to boast about belonging to Christ. But wait a minute, if I know Jesus, and you know Jesus, and he knows Jesus, and she knows Jesus, and they know Jesus, you know, they down the street, they know Jesus, then what's the point of bragging about knowing the author and perfecter of our faith? Well, I know Jesus. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, I know Jesus too. Paul wasn't stupid. Here, he, he, he's, he's talking about how we can overcome our our need to, to brag and boast is that we've all been given everything in Christ and that we we have no reason to brag to each other about all the things that we have and all the people we know. We know Jesus, and I know Jesus, and you know Jesus, and if we all know Jesus, well, then that takes away our bragging rights, doesn't it? But see, He knew we live in a world that is constantly trying to determine the worth of individuals by their accomplishments, who they know, how strong they are, how smart they are, how fast they are, etc. And so Paul says, if we're going to be sized up by men, then let them see us this way, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Do you realize that we are extremely valuable to the world? Paul tells us in Romans that the world waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Why? Well, if for only one reason at all, it is that we have the truth. I mean, we we know that to stand before God unashamed, we must place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are stewards of the truth. A steward is someone who's been put in charge of something. It doesn't belong to us, but we're responsible for it. So as stewards of the truth, our responsibility is to share that truth with the world. We have what is most valuable in the world. Paul says that if people should see something in us, let them see that, that we are servants of Christ and stewards of the truth. But he says as a steward of the truth, we must be trustworthy. Trustworthy to who? Well, to the issuer of the truth. So we need to point our attention to God here. Then Paul breaks down the secret, the big secret, to being free from the slavery of having to promote ourselves all the time. He says, but to me it's a very small thing that I might be examined by you or by any other human court. What is Paul saying here? He's not saying, I don't care what people think of me. Hey, I don't care what you, hey, come back. I want to tell you, I don't care what you think of me. He's not saying that. Because it wouldn't be true. Our flesh wants to be well-liked of others. What he's saying here is is that with Christ's help, I have managed to shrink my desire to want to be liked by the world. I have managed to shrink my, my, uh, 
my self-image that I, I am only valuable because of what the world says about me. It's not gone, but it's a very, very small thing in me because Christ has been working on that in me. Because I know that when the verdict is out from the world of what they think of Paul, it doesn't really matter. What you think of me, although it seems important now, in eternity, it won't matter at all. So I'm trying to keep that in perspective, is what he's saying. He says something truly incredible. He says, in fact, I don't even examine myself. Paul is combating the most dangerous worldly advice here. Because when we, we talk to well-meaning people like, man, I just don't... Uh, I, I'm down on myself, and, and they say I'm terrible. You know, they say I'm this, or they say I'm that. What is it the world says? Well, listen. Well, you know what? You really need to be true to yourself. And I quote Shakespeare here, like, to thine own self be true, right? Don't listen to what everybody else in the world says you should be. Just listen to your heart and be true to yourself. But Paul was saying, No! What does it matter what I think of me more than anybody else thinks of me? No, 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 no. I'm going to the source of me. I'm going to the one who created me. Look at what he says in verse 4. He says, For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I'm not by this acquitted. In other words, what he's saying is, I can't judge myself as guilty, even though I'm not innocent because I say I am. No, the one who examines me is the Lord. So Paul is saying the only one whose opinion truly matters when it comes to my self-worth and my self-image is the Lord. I'm not who the world says I am. I'm not who you say I am. I'm not who I say I am. I am who God says I am. So it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter all the things that you say I am or, or even the things that I think I am. Because truthfully, I can get things twisted just like everybody else. Because sometimes I don't know what's going on in my heart. All that matters is who God says I am. Paul warns them not to continue passing judgment on people according to how they are in the world's eyes. Like, like, like stop worrying about who the world says you are and stop contributing to that. Because God's opinion is all that matters. He tells them to wait for God's judgment because nothing is hidden from God. In the words of the prophet Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Do you realize how scary that truth is? Nothing is hidden from God. And we spend a lot of time hiding what other people you know, might see. And like We don't want them to see that. Because if they really saw into our hearts, then they would see the things that we keep in there, and then they would never associate with us. You know, it, it's interesting. You just kind of get into politics. Things really get nasty in, in political races because I got to get up all the dirt that, 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 that you know people have on me. Or have on you, rather. I, sh I should get up all that dirt, and I'm just going to smear your name. Think about this for just a second. As messy as that can be, we don't really see what's going on in their heart. Because as ugly as maybe some of the things that they've done, that doesn't even touch the things that are going on in their heart. I mean, think about how scary that is for just a second. All the things that we keep in our heart, God sees all of that. We can't hide that from God. We can put our, our post up on Facebook, but God knows what's really going on. As the Apostle Paul says, he knows the, uh, the hearts and the agendas of men. 
God sees all of that. So yeah, that's scary. Let me also tell you why that's beautiful. Because knowing who we are and seeing everything we try to hide from others, God sees us and he loves us. God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. The Father knows who you are and your heart, and he died for you and me anyway. You see, we spend so much of our time trying to earn praise from others or trying to promote ourselves out there so that other people will want us around. But according to Paul, we should wait for the praise that comes from the Father himself. You know, sometimes we can fall in the mindset of believing that we have to do things to be accepted by others. And we even kind of throw that on God. I've got to do things to be accepted from God. And I really have been harping on this. And I just want to tell you why it's so important to me that I have to keep reminding you because I'm really reminding myself. We need to stop and consider not who the world says we are, not who we think we are, but who God says we are. And so I want to give you a little bit of homework today, okay? When, when you stop listening to this message and you, you're in a quiet place, I want you to get alone with God for just a minute and ask Him, God, when you look at me, what do you see? I mean, if, if, if your opinion is the only one that matters, God, what is that opinion? What do you see when you look at me? And I want to ask you to just wait there until you get an answer from God. Because I believe he'll answer you. I've been wanting to share this with you for a while in a roundabout way, I guess I already have, but... I'm just going to be a little more direct here. I, I, I was challenged by some friends to actually do that, to, to go and, and just seek time with God and ask him, God, what do you see when you look at me? Because, God, what I see is all these different things, and they're messed up, and I, I don't know who I really am. I really don't. So, God, can you tell me what you see when you look at me? So when I got home, I went into my office, I closed the door, and I started to pray, God, when you look at me, what do you see? And as I sat there in meditation, I heard God say to me, Child. I'm going to ask you, does God ever tell you something and it's really good and really bad and painful all at the same time? As I was meditating on what he said to me, he just told me, Child, right? And I wanted to take that in some generic way of, oh, John, you're my child. That's who I see. But as I began thinking about that, the Holy Spirit was really impressing, uh, impressing upon me the importance of really going deeper with that. And then God revealed to me that my self-image is really wrapped up in trying to not be seen by the world or anybody in this church or anybody in this community as a child. Did you know that in the 130 years of our church's existence, I'm the youngest pastor ever to be hired. I mean, I keep the pictures of the other men who serve as a church's pastor in my office. And trust me, none of them look like spring chickens. I mean, some of them look like they're dead already. I mean, I'm just going to say it. 
Before I was hired, John Hall, uh, my predecessor, or two predecessors before me, he was 28 whenever he became the pastor here. And when, when our church hired me, I was only 25. And I've really been wondering something in light of that. I mean, what was our church thinking? Why would they hire a 25-year-old kid to lead them as their pastor? I mean, really? What were they thinking? Well, I know they don't really have to answer that. I, I know why they did it. They did it because God ordained it. But still, you know, I've spent so much of my ministry at Rungi First Baptist trying to be anything but a child. I don't want to be seen as a child. I don't want when you look at me to see the child that I often feel like, the child that I often behave like when you're not around. See, I guess that might just come with the territory when you're hired at 25 years old. So in knowing that, maybe you can understand how painful it was whenever I asked God, God, when you look at me, what do you see? And he looks past all the ways that I try to present myself in a certain way to the world and all of that self-image that I worked so hard to achieve. And he says, child. Now in that moment, I just want to tell you, I felt so broken. Did all that work to be seen as that upright adult pastor who knows what he's doing. Yeah, follow me, everybody. No matter what I do, I just cannot hide from the Lord. And so, you know, all that self-image, it was for nothing. It hurt when God told me that. But see, although God tells us things that hurt sometimes things that might break us down to our core. He never leaves us broken. Instead, he picks up the pieces of our broken heart and he puts it back together. And we're better than we were when we started. God reminded me as I sat there and I just kind of I sunk. He reminded me of a time when Jesus' disciples were arguing about who was the greatest disciple. I had to teach them a valuable truth. Jesus brings forward a little child and says to them, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So although it hurt, God looks at me and he says, Child. In a way, it was also God's way of saying, John, I think you're great. Instead of, instead of being so concerned about preserving our own self-image, can we just spend some time alone with God and really get down to the heart of who He says we are? I mean, who, God, do you say that I am? Are you willing to go deeper? Paul tells us we can be free from all of the slavery of promoting ourselves in the world if we just get some perspective on what really matters. 
our self-worth, our self-image. He doesn't need to come from the world or, or even from us. It needs to come from God. And this is what we can do to make sure that comes to fruition. We need to pray that God pins us to the ground every time we try to leave the courtroom that he has established and leave behind the verdict that he has given. And try to walk into somebody else's courtroom or somebody else's courtroom who says, you know, this is who you are. Or if you want to have value in my eyes, this is what you need to do for me. No, no, no. We need to pray that he will show us when we are establishing our worth off of someone or something else other than him. Because in this world, listen, we can be forgotten. I mean, we're so afraid of that. I am so afraid of being a nobody in this world. That even if this world forgets us, we turn to him, he will say to us, I'll never forget you. You may be forgotten, but I will never forget you. You can be ignored but I will never ignore you. You can go unloved, but I love you. This is how we can apply the gospel in a way that can choke our pride and keep it in submission. This is how we don't have to be a slave to our self-image anymore. Well, I hope this message has been an encouragement to you and that you have a renewed purpose and dedication to trust in the Lord and serve Him. Please feel free to download our church app so that you never miss another message by searching FBC Rungi in the Apple App Store or Google Play. We at Rungi First Baptist Church are here to take root, grow, and bear fruit. So if you'd like to join with us in our mission, then let's get out there and bring glory to God.